Papercut podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Papercut <laughs> podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we are here with Hannah Doucette. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. Um, I'm a visual artist. Um, so my practice is kind of mainly based in photography, but also sculpture and video. That's kind of my main thing. But then I'm also um, an arts educator, so I do lots of workshops with youth um, in the city and outside of the city, and do other like organizing art stuff as well. Cool. And you're also part of a collective, just one. Um. Yeah. Like Blinkers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's I. I feel like I have. I, call, I started calling it my like organizing practice, where um I Blinkers is. I guess we haven't necessarily um, called ourselves a collective yet, but we kind of, we are. (laughs) Um, So it's me and three friends who are also artists, and we formed this art space, project space called Blinkers. Um, We'd been working together for a long time. We were in art school together, and we just kind of really saw a lack of spaces for emerging artists, so we formed this space. We also, like, work together as artists, but that's more in an kind of programming, curatorial, organizational perspective that we're a collective there. Yeah. So do you do a lot of the cure, curating? Uh, do you do that more or less than actually like making art? Uh, I definitely say, would say less, but uh, um, like for, blink, for Blinkers, that's more like it's not really about our own art practices. It's about showcasing other practices. So from that perspective, it's more like programming and curating. So we're bringing in other artists, um, like to have individual shows or to have um, shows as like a collaboration or we're curating a whole exhibition of like, like our first show had, um, I think six artists, some from Winnipeg and some outside, and we brought those, that group of artists together. Um, so yeah, but I definitely, yeah, I guess it's a mix of everything always for me. It's always, like, a bit of a hustle. So what's a, your schedule for, like, a, a week look like? <laughs> in terms of, well, in terms yeah. of everything, but in terms of art, too, like... Um, it totally depends. I feel like my own practice is super project-based, so I have a studio downtown, but, like, I can go a week without going there, or if I'm really intensively prepping for a show, I'll be there, like, every day. So it depends so much, but I guess my, like, work that I get paid for <laughs> is in the early evening it's normally like three to six three to eight so um that's art city uh, where i'm working with youth uh so i kind of will try to get either blinkers work done or my own art practice going to the studio applying for grants like all that stuff done during the day and then i'll go to work at three until whenever but then also blinkers is a lot of like evening projects and openings and so that's a lot of stuff on the weekends I don't know. It's always, like, a bunch of stuff coming together, I guess. So do you have, like, time that you're, like, relaxing? Would you find that making <laughs> that your art yourself is, like, a relaxing thing? Or just, is it work? Um, I wouldn't... I don't think it's necessarily either, specifically. I feel like... Uh, I also just, like, have more... Um, art things that I do for like purely fun like embroidery or beading or just like things like that but when I'm working on my own practice it's like it feel it's not it doesn't feel like work but it doesn't feel like purely relaxing because it's like often dealing with pretty specific ideas and like more serious content for myself so 
I guess, yeah, it's not like just purely like I'm going and like painting and you know the image some people have of a visual artist where you're just like, oh, I'm like painting and yeah, like so it, romantic. Yeah, yeah, it's not like that at all um, for me. Um, and it's a like I enjoy I love making art and it's definitely what I want to do, but it's not that romantic a uh, image. <laughs> do you find like do you try and separate them a little bit like your work from your like the art that you make for pleasure? Is that uh, I, w- no, I would say that, I guess I, I make art, like, all the time, because even at work, I'm making art with kids, and then I'll, I'll yeah, I, like, have little projects that I'm just working on at home, but those are, like, not, I guess there is a separation, those are just, like, for fun, and they're not really, like, and it's more like I'm embroidering on a hat that I'm gonna wear, or something like that, it's not, I wouldn't necessarily, like, classify it as art is just kind of a fun, fun thing that I'm doing I don't know now I feel like I'm making this weird narrative where it's like oh, that's art and that's not art and I don't feel that way but um yeah I think that I definitely like have a certain way that I approach my own um work or, or like art practice that um is very thoughtful and very considered and it is I guess kind of in a different category than if I'm just kind of playing around yeah. So teaching, do you teach kids how to make art? Uh, I don't necessarily say teach. Um, it's like I work at Art City, which is a community art center in Winnipeg. And uh, so we, I facilitate art workshops, I'd say. It's not really, um, we're definitely like teaching kids skills um, and art skills, but it's less a constructed like art learning environment than lots of art spaces like the Winnipeg Art Gallery or something like that, where I, I took classes there when I was growing up. It's a lot more just open. Um, so just providing kids with a space to like explore their creativity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Would, that kind of led a little bit into the next question that I was going to ask is how do you teach art or like how do you... Yeah, I, I also did like younger do in the Winnipeg Art Gallery sort of things. And it was sometimes there was a fine line between like, this is not how you do art and this is how you do do art. And it was felt like I was being shaped in a way that, yeah, those I, things, those words of my teachers are still resonating sometimes when I'm putting like a pen to paper sort of thing. So just sort of the way that you approach maybe a, a, like a child that's making art that maybe is not a traditional way of doing it. Yeah, mm. I feel like I definitely hate that example that you're talking about. I remember so specifically when I was in elementary school having a like artist come in that was working as an art teacher in the school and we were all drawing birds together and she like came and erased part of my drawing and redrew it and it just upset me so much and even then I think I knew that that was just like the wrong approach Mm -hmm. like that's how you want to draw the bird that's not how I want to draw the bird yeah um so I feel like that that kind of approach is not at all how I would um agree with teaching kids about art um I think we're really about like if a kid wants to learn technique and they say that they want to learn that then yeah you can be like that's not the right way to do that this is the right way. But beyond that, I feel like it's, I really don't ever say a kid's doing the wrong thing or mm-hmm. the wrong way. Cause unless they're being like dangerous with art materials. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, my 
approach, especially, yeah, with Art City is just encouraging and like uh, we're not really the like mandate of this space is that we're not really trying to create artists we're trying to teach kids to think creatively um so like if a kid ends up being an artist in their life that's amazing but that's not the goal we're not trying to make everybody into artists we're just trying to teach people how to think creatively and like have a safe space to explore that Hmm. so yeah so what's the difference between technique and style um Well, like, I guess technique, um, if you're talking about, like, how to draw a human, there's, like, techniques and, and, and like, proportions you should be thinking about in terms of a body. Obviously, everybody is different, but there's um, really, like, specific ways that you can figure out how to measure out a body and how, like, eyes are spaced and how everything falls. So that's, like, you can teach them certain drawing techniques that would... um, they would learn how to draw a body. But then obviously within that, everybody has different style of drawing and you shouldn't like try to make them draw the way that you draw because everybody draws differently. Right. So yeah. if they were asking to draw proportional humans, yeah. then that was when you would introduce some of those techniques. Yeah, things. or some kids just, uh, especially I'd say like some younger teens will really, we have a drawing club and we have an amazing drawing instructor at Art City where um, kids really want to learn certain uh, certain ways of drawing like and just, I guess, different, different approaches that you can take to drawing like trees or drawing anime or drawing you know like there's all these and so she will teach them without making them like into this box so they all look like they're drawing the exact same thing Mm -hmm. cool yeah so what do some of the workshops look like or what are they focusing on um we just kind of do all sorts of different things i guess uh, my favorite program that i run is called art squad and it's um for uh 10 to 15 year olds and we're like this little group of um, uh, preteens, um, teens plus me, um, and it's, <laughs> it's focused around, the program is every Saturday, and it's focused around, like, art, um, but community engagement, and uh, volu- kind of volunteerism, and almost kind of takes a more activist lens to art making, and to how you can, like, engage with the community in, in art, through art, I guess, um, so... Like yesterday, we um, spent the first half of the workshop making cards and drawings for Bear Clan, and then we did a mock walk with Bear Clan, and we gave them all these cards and drawings we made. And so, obviously, like walking with Bear Clan isn't directly an art project, but we found a way to engage with them through art and then kind of to contribute to the community through that. Um, but that's a pretty specific example. <laughs> yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's I, what I did for. yesterday. Oh, nice, cool. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. So what are some of uh, the subjects of the art that you create that are displayed in galleries? Or is that the goal to have your art in a gallery or is it to sell it? Uh, definitely. Uh, I'd say neither are the specific goal, um, but both are nice. Like my, I, I don't have a commercial based practice, so it's not about trying to find people to buy my work because a lot of the work I make is like, I just don't think people would necessarily want to buy like it's a video a a four hour long video it's like no one's gonna buy that or um metal sculptures and stuff anyways um i the themes i work with that was the question um i hijacked my own question with another question i'm so sorry um so yeah i guess right now i'm thinking a lot about illness and the body 
Um, I was kind of, I've been out of school. I did a fine arts degree. I've been out of school for a little over three years. And I was thinking of working a lot with, I've been working a lot with the body and my own body specifically, kind of um, in that three year period. Um, thinking, I started out thinking a lot about representation of the vo- body, the female body via photography. And I guess my main interest in photography comes from thinking about the ways that it falls short and the ways it kind of um, fails in documenting. Um, So thinking about my own body and how I can only um, experience its image in totality through two-dimensional images. like I can only I'll, I like how we create these false two-dimensional bodies I guess uh, and I was kind of obsessed with that idea so uh, I was thinking a lot about about that frustration and the anxiety associated with that and um, taking flat taking flat images and then kind of trying to reinflate them and obviously knowing that there's uh, and there's a fail, there is going to be a fail, failed attempt to inflate. Like I won't create a, an accurate representation of my body by taking two-dimensional images and making them 3D again. But I guess I was interested in that, those transitions between dimensionalities and what is lost and, and then highlighting what's lost in moving between those. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what fed that as obsession from like, what was the catalyst for the obsession with that? Um, I, so I was thinking, oh, I'm trying to, this was like three years ago now, but I was thinking a lot about, um, I was really interested in layering images, um, like photographs inside photographs, because again, it just kind of highlighted, um, the act of photography itself, because a lot of the time when you're looking at photos, we all look at photos all the time, like in our daily lives, and you you just kind of you don't really think about what you're looking at often. It's just an image of, you just think about what is contained within the image. But I guess I'm really interested in thinking about the fact that it is a photograph and what that means. Um, so I was kind of working within those, within those themes and I was printing photos on fabric and um, then kind of playing with the surface of the image and re-photographing them with these kind of wrinkles or disruptions in the surface. And then I... I guess I just started kind of thinking more about the body specifically and then yeah, I'm trying to trace exactly how it all played out but I think I got to a point where I was I was taking a lot of photos of my own body and then I was thinking about the relationship between my own body and and those images of my body and I, I definitely think there's like undertones of like body or like very maybe not undertones of body dysmorphia coming into that work where um, just thinking about how conf- how confusing it is it, it is to exist as like just a, uh, as a body in in the world and not really necessarily like you could like you can physically understand it but kind of I don't know there's this still this disconnect sometimes especially when it comes to images and and the culture of imaging right now there are just so many images of you and of your body often so I, I think I just was really interested in that relationship um, and originally I was thinking about it more as like a grander, like speaking, it was a gendered approach, thinking about it through the female, um, the lens of the documentation of the female body. But then I started t- thinking about, I was kind of approaching it from this perspective where it was more um, a, it kind of like 
other probably male maybe like societal force that was what was um kind of representing women's bodies in in these ways that i felt were problematic like very fragmented um distorted representations often like anonymous kind of more mass media i guess approaches that i was thinking about but then moving forward i just started thinking about like my own self and how i kind of think i i use those same tropes of representation within like my own head and within my own representations of myself um so instead of it being like this larger thing with um talking about other other like othering i was talking about kind of that process that happens within my own head and within um my own experience with um images of my body so then that's kind of when i started only taking photos of myself and i didn't take photos i was at that i had been taking photos of like friends and and other people but then i kind of because i was really taking this um critical lens to how people were being documented i didn't really think it made sense to be like further perpetuating that on other people's bodies um so when i started just taking photos of myself i kind of felt like i was taking control over the whole process i was the orchestrator and the photographer and the subject and the viewer and like it's just it was all there's like a lot of agency within that for me um that was a really long-winded answer and i don't even know if i answered your question no i think that's great <laughs> well part of that something that came out of that i don't think it was long-winded but it was like thorough answer is the process of art and when you see something that seems simple how it really has like a lot of time and thought and effort put into it which someone might not see if they were to see a blown up like inflated image of your face does not know all of that and mm-hmm. i'm sure like a elevator an elevator pitch of like a hundred words isn't going to describe that either you know something just adding to that artistic process mm-hmm. i think it was very valuable well and that's why i feel like i went into a weird space when we were when we were first talking about being like art versus my thing but like i just think the way that i think and the like the progression of the way that i'm making like the art that i make it's it's it, it just has become something and so that's when i like do another little thing on the side it doesn't necessarily feel like it's like part of that larger progression i guess yeah just to go back to that because i felt like I'm, i was like i don't even know what i said <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like it's kind of like i guess a uh a separation between like a practice of technique versus like an intentional project yeah exactly meaning yeah interesting can you talk a little bit about sculpting do you uh, work just with metal sculpting? Um, yeah, like I haven't. Uh, I've just moved more into sculpture recently. Or no, that's a lie. I feel like it's always been kind of like photo-based sculpture, but I've moved more into also making objects um, that are not incorporating just photography. Um, and I was I made some metal works for this show that I had at Platform in Winnipeg um, in their um, gallery too. And... I guess I don't really like, like sculpting wouldn't really be the word I'd use just because it's mainly I like come up with a digital file <laughs> and then I send it to some sort of sh- like a metal shop and they, they laser cut the metal for me. Oh. But um, I, I guess like the work I had kind of given a bit more of a backstory, but the work I'm making now has a lot to do with illness and the body. And I would made these metal sculptures that kind of represent they were these based on these line drawings I'd made and they 
um, represent medical intervention within the body. And so in this show, I had, I think there were seven different metal pieces and they're kind of like different accents, access points within my own body. And I'm like visualizing what what that gesture of invasion was and then externalizing it outside of the body. So to me, it's kind of this like act of, um, yeah, I guess this act of externalization and like, um, instead of having something coming into my body, not really of my own accord, I'm, I'm, I'm creating that act for myself outside of the body. Uh, and then they're just kind of these visual, like hard, um, representations of that and yeah so going back to what you were mentioning earlier is this your expression of bringing that other dimension to the art just taking it literally from the page now it's this physical thing that you can yeah I I don't think about it as much like that but I guess it is um I think I I think I had just I had started I made this sculpture um a couple, I guess like a year and a half ago, um, that was this whole, uh, fabric body, um, like of my own, of my own images that I had kind of pieced together. And it was laying on this, um, acrylic platform that had, um, this metal, um, base. And I like learned how to weld for the first time and made that, um, uh, base for it. And so then I had just, and I, and I was with the, the steel, I was thinking a lot about, um, the, just the material made such reference to this kind of institutional cold, like, like medical environment to me. So then that's when I kind of, I guess, got really interested in using metal more because I felt like I just really liked the associations of the material itself and how kind of beautiful a material it is, but then how also, uh, how like hard and dangerous and uh like sharp it can feel and invasive uh yeah so when approaching art with a critical eye if you were to go to a gallery and be looking at something uh how would you approach like looking at a piece of art as an artist you know, I feel, and I'll maybe I'll talk a little bit about what yeah. I'm thinking before I put you on the mm-hmm. spot like that because that kind of seems like a jerky question. So if I were go, to go to a gallery and look at something that I don't quite understand or I don't know why those things are going together or it just seems like something that is like, oh, it's just a single black dot on a white page. Like, why don't... You know? Mm-hmm. So my mind the criticalness of my mind is based on an understanding. So like, how does your mind understand art or how do you approach when you walk up to something? What is your like thought process of it? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a big question. Um, I mean, like I studied, I, I love art and I studied art in university. Um, so that's also another context. Like I have a pretty good grounding and understanding of art history and of like, that whole like uh, the re- the references that could be made being made to art history or where so- something would fall within within that um, like within the history of art I guess but um, yeah I don't know I feel like that question I've had this conversation with friends who don't necessarily care about art but maybe like it but it kind of makes them feel uncomfortable uh, like visual art um, and I I just feel like. This is maybe not quite answering your question, but I I feel like because I have a uh, 
understanding and a history with art, um, I feel okay with saying that when I don't like something and with being, I, a lot of my friends will go to gallery and be like, oh, this, this like, like they'll feel uncomfortable because it feels like they're stupid. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, just feel confident that you can not like art. Like not all art. I think that, that making that blanket statement is, ter- is terrible and, and dumb. But you can go to an art gallery and be like, I didn't like that show. I didn't like that piece and feel confident in that even if you don't know about art. It's okay to not care about it. Um, but I think the danger comes when people are, art just makes them uncomfortable in general because they feel uh, like, I think it's because they feel like they can't have opinions or something because they just don't know. They just don't know. So they feel like they can't have an opinion about it. And then, um, so then they make the blanket statement. They don't like art or something. But, um, I guess when I go to an art gallery, I'd say, like, a lot of art that I see I don't really like or don't really care that much about. Um, But when I do find it interesting, I'll spend more time with it. I'll, uh, like, probably a a lot of what pulls me in is um, materially, um, if I find something interesting or, like, aesthetically. And then I'll... take more time to like learn about the content either just through my own experience or through reading about it um I definitely find sometimes it's really exciting when I go when I know about a work already and I'm really excited about work and then you get to see it in person because it is sometimes hard to just engage like cold completely cold with visual art and not have any understanding of what's going on and then um, a lot of galleries don't really provide necessarily written context. And so, yeah, I get that it's challenging, but I also think that like, I don't know, <laughs> I love art. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for example, if you were to like, um, not for example, this is like just something that I mm-hmm. branch off of. So if you were to have like a blinkers sort of showcasing of something, do you, do you um, provide those those like write ups or the way uh, accessibility for people that are not like what is sort of the the way that you um, provide that space for people to practice art or like do yeah. you have to like it do all four members have to like it for it to be shown <laughs> or something like uh, that? I say we we make it we all agree but it's definitely can be like one work is. Um, one person fought for more or something. Um, but we definitely all agree on everything that we end up showing, um, all four of us. Um, in terms of providing context, I think that uh, the, what, the way I'm interested in providing context for art these days is a little less descriptive and a little more poetic, which is not necessarily doing exactly what we're talking about, but I think like, it, it won't tell you what to think or exactly what to, uh, what the work is about, but it'll be, like, another piece within the show where it's kind of, say, say like, the show I had at Platform, it was kind of just, my writing was kind of descriptive, but it was um, a little more poetic and a little more abstracted, but it still, it still talked about illness and it still talked about the body and, like, acts of resistance to illness and I like I still touched on the theme so I think it still gives context even if it's not like this work in the show is about that and that work is about that I find that sort of writing 
it's kind of this more like museological or like larger institutional approach to writing about art. I find it uninteresting. It definitely gives context, which maybe is um, good, but I just think it's not a really creative way to approach giving context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a balance where if you give too much context, there's no interpretation for people to interact with it? Yeah. I think, I I definitely think that, I have this conversation with my mom a lot, actually, because <laughs> my mom loves art, but definitely would be on this side where she just wants to, she wants someone to tell her what the work is about so she can know if she cares about what the work is about, kind of. But she's, like, super creative, super loves art. Um, so I think she would be on the side where she wants a lot of context and wants a lo- someone to tell her a lot, whereas I think that just trust yourself to like un- to try to think about the work a bit and and maybe give some context uh, like within a written piece but then also read that and then spend some time with the work and think about what it makes you think about and how it makes you feel or how it looks um so i definitely would be like on the side where i think i think no context is bad and it's hard for people to care but some is good not yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How do you... Like, I feel like you asked that question, Olivia, probably. Like, from, from Blinkers. From, from personal... Okay. Uh, in particular, there was a show that a friend of mine and I went to, and it was, like, a video that I just didn't really... The... the Gabby's show. Yeah. So yeah. The, the sound was a little bit distorted, so I couldn't exactly hear it, and it was, like this hand that was moving and like touching a bunch of like aloe plants it was really interesting to watch but I just didn't understand what was going on exactly and then I was like maybe I'm supposed to just not get it maybe that's the point of it or like maybe it's like I'm supposed to feel there was a write-up did you read it I couldn't it wasn't at the gallery yeah was it at the gallery um but I I think think that that's I think it was on Facebook which I read it afterwards. Uh, oh, did you go to the opening? I was out of town. Yeah, I was at the um, opening. I feel like, well, we definitely had a write-up after the fact. Maybe it wasn't there at the opening. I don't know. But um, I definitely think that it's fair to like walk away however you walk away from that. But, um, but for me, that work felt like, uh, because it was such kind of a long video piece, and there was lots of dia- like um, audio of mm-hmm. uh, her own text, it felt like there was so much just content within the work right. itself. And then there was also a write-up. And with that show, we also did, like, a public talk. Um, oh, okay. And yeah. so, like, there was... there's. <clears throat> There's access points. She right. was also mm-hmm. at the opening, and obviously I know people don't necessarily feel comfortable just, like, being like, I'm going to make a beeline for the artist and, like, right. talk to her. But I think that's another good thing, like, asking people questions, like, asking, like, all of us at Blinkers are, like, super open to people coming up and being like, what is happening? And, like, yeah. like I don't know, it's funny, like... Because uh, I had never been to a gallery of that size or type, and I know, like, just from knowing, like, musicians, for example, or artists in their own right, and to approach a musician and be like, what, what was that song about? Like, you, didn't you watch? Didn't you experience? Didn't you listen or feel? So but when I was there, yeah. I was, like, trying to experience this video, and I was just, like, I don't I don't know what to do, you know? Like, I just tried to do it as best as I could, which is why I was asking you um, sort of specifically about, like, 
how do you interpret art? Like, how would someone who is, uh, like, coming from an educational or art history background, how would you approach something like that? Because I really wanted to understand and get it and feel or something, but I felt that I, I felt dumb when I was there. But that's the thing that I think is the problem is just don't work, like, just don't work. It's super hard to say, but, like, don't worry about feeling dumb because, like, no one in that room thinks that you're dumb. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that comes from thinking uh yeah thinking that like everybody gets it and you don't or something but that's just not everybody's accessing it at different levels Mm -hmm. not and not like a hierarchical (laughs) like levels but just like different has different points that they're accessing it and maybe uh and I don't think there's any wrong way to do that um but fair fair to say that that's how how sometimes art makes you feel I would say that um yeah, obviously, like, spending time, spending more time with it probably helps. Sometimes, like, I watched that video one billion times, as mm-hmm. an exaggeration, um, because <laughs> I would gallery, I would be gallery sitting and it would just, like, play. So I, like, heard that audio so many times. And I knew, I know the history of Gabby's art practice. And mm-hmm. I um, know, like, I've just, like, talked to her a lot. And a lot of the things, she's super... Um, research-based artist, I would say. So she has so many things that are coming in, into play. So even just, like, hanging out with her and talking to her, like, little snippets will come out and I'll be like, oh, that's totally connected to the video that she mm-hmm. made. Um, so I, it's really hard for me to, like, se- specifically with that work and with, yeah, like, just sure. to separate how I would access it if I didn't, because I'm just, like, coming from a whole different place, a, whole, a place of a whole different amount of knowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um... But I definitely feel like visual artists are used to being asked questions about their work. And so I would never feel uncomfortable about asking somebody something about um, at an art show. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a couple instances of it that I like found it humorous in some way with this mechanical hand that was like. Oh, for sure. And I was giggling and people were like looking at me like, why are you like this is funny. Yeah. But I, maybe I was like, maybe I'm not understanding. Maybe everybody else is getting something that I don't, but I just, I just thought it was, but I feel like that way (laughs) at music shows sometimes, you know, like, I'm just like, I don't like this band. Everybody seems to be watching so intensely. And, uh, do I like just not get it or do I just not like it? Mm -hmm. And like making that distinction. I don't know. I think it just, it doesn't really, I guess it doesn't really ma- matter necessarily if I, but I, I just think there's these different communities and people are like scared to get it wrong or something. And I think we just need to get rid of that because it makes people, it makes, uh, it makes people less crossover happen between scenes and like, uh, it makes it less interesting if everybody's just like worried <laughs> all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've definitely been in instances where I've gone to a gallery or somewhere and someone is looking for that context. Whereas I don't think I'm as tied to needing to know exactly how this was made. But it's also nice, like, I, I, as an, if I was an artist, I don't know if I could find that perfect balance of, you know, describing in detail what this piece meant, and also trying to step away and let people feel what they want to feel from it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of this, the reason that this question came up was because you were talking about the steel. And it's just like, I don't know if I would have ever been like, oh, and this is on steel as well, which is another layer. I think I would have probably just 
seen it as a piece. Yeah. Which is kind of where this came from, which well, is like how much description, I'm sure the description of the steel would have helped me in some sense to understand it, but I probably might have not even noticed. And like, do I need to have an educational background in art to notice the material use? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I think that it's, uh, yeah, you're definitely, I don't think you have to have an art, like a background in studying art in a university context to like, to be, to engage with art, obviously. Um, I wouldn't, I would hate that if that was the case. But I do think, obviously, art school trains you to, like, question things when you're looking at an artwork, to, like, to look at materials and to look at, uh, like, where is the work being made, who is being, who is it being made by, like, what's featured, I don't know, it's hard to talk generally about just, like, this imaginary art piece I'm thinking of, but mm-hmm. um, just, like, to ask all those questions. And um, so, but I'll only ask those questions if something draws me in, I would say. Hmm. Um, so I don't think I go up to every artwork and I'm like, hmm, let's look at this materials. Let's look at, unless it's in like in art school in a critique concept context where you actually, you're just like, well, we're talking about this artwork for half an hour. So like, let's ask all those questions. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, if that's what I find, like I was just in LA and, uh, for a week and I went to see lots of art and I did really didn't like most of the stuff I saw. So I'm not ta- like, I'm not really taking that time with it because I just like base level, just like wasn't interested in what was happening. So then it's hard for me to want to spend time. But have you ever not engaged well with a piece and then got the proper context on it and that made you kind of resonate with it a little bit more? Yeah, I think so for sure. But I also think that I still stand by the fact that if like, if, if there's no part that is pulling me in, that piece is like, at least for me failing in some way, you know? Yeah. Um, because I shouldn't walk up to something that I find so visually boring and so content, like, like, boring in terms of content and then only after the fact be like oh no now I care about it Mm -hmm. there should be Mm -hmm. something that draws me to it before that Mm -hmm. like I think that's that's when visual art fails is if you only care about it if there's context right and going back to that one particular piece I was so engaged by it yeah and I really wanted to just know but I just felt too stupid to ask or, like, to go up yeah. to somebody and be like, is there a write-up on this somewhere? Because I can't find... Like, I was actually, like, looking around the walls to try and find, like, can something explain this to me? Because I wish I just understood. And I was yeah. just like, I'm not going to go up to the artist, like, in my mind. And but be Gabby like, is, like, the most lovely person you should have. Because you would have just, like, left being like, ah, oh, I feel so great about yeah. this now. But it, it's... You have to admit that you don't understand first. Yeah. And that was really hard for me in yeah. that setting because I'm supposed to... Well, that's also going on my own personal things and be like... I'm supposed to be an arts and culture reporter and I'm supposed to know a little bit about everything. So I should be able to figure this out on my own too. And admitting to someone else that I don't know is hard. I would say like a good question would just be like, I like, if you were super engaged, just be like, I'm really interested in like whatever part you're interested in. But like, I'm wondering if you could just tell me a bit more about what you were thinking with this work. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's, I, I sometimes find when people ask me questions at art openings, uh, like my own art openings um, and they're like super specific and they do sometimes come from a place of like a lack of knowledge but they're super specific that can kind of turn me off a bit because it's like they're asking me to talk about a certain aspect but they're not really like could you give us an example? I can't think of a specific oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, 
or a hypothetical example? Mm, well, no, <laughs> I don't want to give a specific example, but mm-hmm. um, but that I think if you just don't know, but you're interested in learning more, like giving the artist the space to decide what they want to talk about within the work is just a good way to approach it because they'll, they can give you like the like maybe elevator pitch of like what is going on. And then you can be like, Oh, that's really interesting. You're talking about like, uh, depictions of the Vietnamese war, which is not my work, but Gabby's work. Um, and then, and then you can be like, Oh, now I know that that's specifically what you're talking about in terms of that. And I have like, I can ask more questions based on that instead of just coming in with your own specific idea, even though you don't really have an idea of what's being talked about. Mm -hmm. So like give them the space to tell them what you're talking about rather than give your interpretation and then make them deconstruct it. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like when you, when you're just like, this is what's happening. Right. And then they have to be like, I don't want to, like, they don't want, obviously I would never want to make an artist or sorry, as someone that's asking me a question, like feel dumb at all for asking the question. But if you give your specific super like interpretation of it and it's just not really what's happening, Mm -hmm. it can be kind of awkward. Right. Because I guess in a sense you'd be discouraging their Their interpretation as well. Because you can weird, yeah. cool. It's got to be that fine line of like, yeah, like take it for what you think it is, and here's what it actually is. But also, I feel like there's always layers to what, like, what it actually is. Like, there's um, so many layers to the content often, and then the material use, and then like the history of what you've been making before. Like, so it's sometimes hard to know, um, like, it, it, what is the actual what the work is about because there's so many different layers to what's going on within it Mm -hmm. Uh, has anyone ever approached you and like hit the nail on the head like oh wow that is actually what this was entirely about yeah for sure um well i i can't i can't think of i guess it's really easy it maybe it's easier easiest to note when like someone's written about my work and um either like without any conversation through me or even just uh, or like interviewing me but or um maybe with a bit but then they've just like written so well and even like um added more to my work I think through their through the writing um so there's this artist or sorry writer um curator uh, Ginger Carlson from Calgary who wrote something about my work once and I just felt like like yeah she just totally hit on everything I was interested in but then also like enriched the work through her writing nice. um whereas I've had other people write about my work and I feel like it makes it come off as like oh like super simple and not super interesting and I'm like is that how they think like it's not even a critique of my work it's just a description Mm -hmm. and I'm like is I don't I don't know it's yeah it's an interest I guess that's kind of a side note but it's a interesting thing having people write about your work because uh it can be like yeah super enriching or not or the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've I've had that experience where I've had to write about art before. Like, that was assigned to me. Like, go to this gallery and write about this. And that is one of the most terrifying things. <laughs> there is it's one really article, uh, it's probably on the internet somewhere, of, like, this pottery. It was a pottery exhibit. And the pottery was not meant to, like, hold anything, I don't think, because there was holes in it and stuff. And I just, like, talked about how I just, like, would look inside and pretend I was an ant and that was my house. And that's how I wrote about it. And I was like, I hope nobody <laughs> reads this because that's the best I could do. And just be like, that's how I felt is that I was just like a little ant inside these sculptures. Do Did you reach out to the artist at all? Yeah, I think I, think I reached out to them, but 
the nature of writing is that you pitch on Monday and you do on Thursday. So yeah. if somebody's busy or has an exam or can't talk to you, then and you still have to write about it. You still have to write about it. So you get their hundred word pitch, and then you kind of like research like when they started doing pottery or something like that, and try and write about it, and then you just have to go for it and just dive right in and be like this is how it made me feel that's the best I could do yeah this is really interesting (laughs) so Hannah when someone's writing about you do you do you appreciate if they reach out to say hey can you give me a little more context I want to do this justice yeah like I I, it's not like people have written about my work a billion times just by the way (laughs) but um yeah I think for sure um I think like it would be if no, if someone wrote about your work and didn't reach out at all, um, and had never seen like the work in person or something, it would be a bit of a weird experience, probably. Yeah. Um, also, like within the Winnipeg art scene, it's pretty small, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't know where I was going with that, but um, definitely, I think having a conversation about the work if someone's writing about it is good and. Um, the only time I think someone didn't, they had come to my opening and like talked to me or maybe even talked to me a bit at the opening, but may also seen the work in person and, uh, were like kind of, I knew them. So they still wrote something really great, but yeah. Cool. So do you have anything in the works currently? Um, I just applied for a grant for a project I want to do, um, where I'm, I want to go to Florida. (laughs) Um, I kind of somehow secret, I shouldn't talk about this because who knows if I'll get the money, but um, uh, I, I guess, so I've been thinking a lot about like illness and, and the body. And I've been thinking, I've been kind of in the show at platform. I, uh, I cut off all all my hair um, for this video piece. Uh, I had really long hair until like this past winter. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about kind of recreating these moments, um, from my childhood experience of illness and, uh, but as an adult and kind of recontextualizing them and like reframing them and I guess thinking, yeah, but like revisiting these moments. So, um, when I was a kid, I took uh, a wish trip, you know, how kids with like, that are sick get wishes. Mm -hmm. I took a wish trip to, um, Disney World because that's like what every single sick kid does. Um, and they have this place called Give Kids the World Village in, uh, Orlando that is specifically like a resort for sick kids. Um, so that they can all go to Disney World for their wishes. Um, but it's, it's this really amazing place, but it's also pretty strange. Like thinking about it as an adult, it's a pretty strange place. This nonprofit like resort that exists solely to house sick kids and their families, and I don't know. I guess I've been thinking a lot about that place and about kind of this like cult of fantasy, and because I'd been thinking a lot about acts of resistance to illness, thinking about like fantasy and like this creation of like happiness as a resistance to illness. And obviously it's like futile because what will happen will happen, but also like the beauty and the naivety, I guess, within that like cult of fantasy. Um, and then also like, yeah, so I'm thinking a lot about that. I want to go to Give Kids the World Village as an alumni. I can go there for four calendar days a year. 
Um, That's cool. That is awesome. <laughs> but I can't sleep there. I can just go there during the day. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I want to go back there and, like, go to the village, and it's this totally amazing, weird place um, that... Like it, the mayor is a bunny, uh, Mayor Clayton. He's a bunny rabbit, what? and there's this ice cream shop that's open all day, every day, and you can just go in and get ice cream for free, as many times as you want during the day. Uh, I think as an alumni, I probably can't, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It's this really, it's kind of like Disney World, but smaller. Yeah, and so I want to go there and d- kind of almost like on a research trip and take lots of photographs and. And kind of just explore how... Photographs of yourself or the kids? No, I think just the environment. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and exploring kind of how... Because I think the place exists to kind of take um, kids and their families outside of that experience of illness. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is a place only for kids that are or have been sick. So I guess it's kind of this interesting tension between like, going back as an adult, I'm interested in how how illness or sickness like comes to the forefront and how it recedes and like where where does it exist within that place because it's like centered around it but it's also a means of escape um from that uh so yeah I think I'll go there if I get money (laughs) on a research trip and then take lots of photos and then kind of similarly to how I normally do with my practice like take them back here and like recontextualize them into more developed artworks and photo photographs with film or digital um probably digital Mm -hmm. i haven't thought that far i used to shoot film a lot and i um i kind of stopped it's like it's really expensive and really and a lot more time consuming Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and And kind of i'd imagine scary that it could be gone yeah like it didn't turn out well like something that you're just saying like recording a video of you cutting all of your hair off like that would be (laughs) That'd gotta be that like, right. yeah, you got it. I got my friend Natalie Baird to film. My dad cut off my hair actually, oh. and um, I got my friend Natalie to film it, and she was like very nervous, even though she's really experienced. She like, but she was just like, yeah, yeah, you can't recreate yeah, you that got, moment. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you got one shot. It's there. done. Yeah, um, cool. yeah. So digital probably for that. Yeah, I'm not like, uh, yeah, I I've kind of just shot digital over the last while. Um, I'm not a super techie photographer. I kind of just, um, I take photos, but I don't really, I'm not too uh, obsessed with like the camera culture itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of like a pretty sad note for me. Cool. So if people want to see your work or I guess not purchase your work, these are work usually well, not they, for Well, no, anybody could if they want to print. Like I, I, um, I have I definitely sold work before. I just guess that's not at all my focus. Mm-hmm. I don't. I never make, wouldn't make a show centered around the idea that I wanted to sell it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if people want to buy my work, let me know. <laughs> yeah. So just like all of this, where is your work available? Um, I have a website, uh, hannaduset.com, but it's kind of out of date. I'm like in the midst of uh, redoing it. So um, like my platform show from this past year isn't up there and there's like most recent stuff's not on there, but it's like gives good t- context, I think. Cool. Um, nice. also just a Google search, you know, there's that platform show, like platform has all the documentation on their mm-hmm. website and stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't really have any shows coming up in the city or anything. I'm think I'm going to work on a new collaboration with another Winnipeg artist, but, um, yeah, no specific things that people could see anytime soon 
Yeah. So how do collaborations work quickly? Do you just contact someone that you know, or do you ever, like, cold call someone? Yeah, I haven't worked collaboratively a ton beyond, like, with people that I know uh, super well. So, like, me and um, Rachel and John, who are both uh, part of Blinkers, have a show in Regina, and it was supposed to be this upcoming summer, and now I think it's going to be next November. So it's, like, a ways away, but, um, so... Like, that was just, like, we are super close, and we're, we decided that we wanted to work together on that project. But this other um, artist, uh, we haven't started the collaboration, so I'm not going to say who yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But um, we just have a lot in common in our work, and I think mutually, like, we didn't really know each other, but we both really appreciated each other's work. And then we started talking more, and I was like, we should do something together, because there's just a ton of overlap between, um, between our work. So I think we're going to try to... Uh, uh, make something and I'm not really sure I kind of like collaborations most when they're um, people actually are like approaching making the work together um, rather than like making the work separately and then like putting it beside each other Mm. Um, yeah cool I want to thank you for all of this like time and effort that you put into explaining all of these things to us because it was probably stressful I guess some of my questions were a little bit not not aggressive but I mean like critical so no, Just yeah. Uh, majorly appreciate that. Yeah. It, g- it gives like a better understanding because, yeah, sometimes I think we'll go into art with this. Like, I don't want to feel dumb, but I also don't know how to approach it. So, yeah, like you've given us tips about how to approach artists <laughs> and even like yeah. the intricacies that like we might not see when looking at a piece. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Yeah. But I also just feel like realizing that that's like kind of the case with every medium. I don't yeah, know. For sure. I feel like I've, visual art sometimes gets like a bad rap for being like inaccessible or something, but it's like other, like so many art forms, they're all mm-hmm. just different, right? And yeah. it's hard to understand when you don't know or ask questions or like try to learn more. Um, so I think even you guys doing this and like asking questions is like doing part of that work, you know? Yeah. It's a huge learning curve for us. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I often just like sometimes visual art is easy to compare to music. Where someone is like, this is very jazzy to me. Like, I don't quite get it. There's a lot of stuff going on versus something like, oh, this is nice and top 20 for me. Like, top 20 pop. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a Justin Bieber song because this is just what it is, you know? Yeah. Which is just, like, a really cool thing that sometimes you don't get art either. Or mm-hmm. don't like it. That it makes me feel good that you don't like some things. <laughs> oh, I, most stuff I see, I don't like. I, I just I remember saying that to my friend, and it kind of like blowing her mind. She's just like, "Oh yeah, I'm allowed to not like art." I was like, "Yeah, like not all art again. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. like specific artworks, of course. Just have an opinion and like feel confident in it." Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you. I really yes. appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you for cutting deep with us on Papercut Podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to that episode. If you want more episodes just like that. Check out papercutwinnipeg.com or iTunes or Google Play, but not Spotify. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Sarah Davey. The right feet or the right leg, like it is very specific about body type, right? Like you need the long lean muscles. You need to be able to like turn your legs out. Like do you have the flexibility in your joints? Like you can work on that so much, but some people just aren't born with like legs that turn out, right? So...